it's time for the tactics meeting. In this episode, I'm going to be sharing with you a presentation on cybersecurity that was given by Eric Wilson of Sector Puget Sound during the Washington State Maritime Cooperative Annual Seminar. Now, cybersecurity is a huge threat. It is the threat of the future. It's the infiltration that could be the result or could result in vessel groundings, uh, vessel collisions, oil spills, as bad actors hack into vessel control systems and cause valves to open or uh, control computers to shut down, spread viruses throughout the vessel, and then ultimately into shoreside facilities. So I think it's particularly timely, especially in, uh, as we've looked at some uh, recent global attacks like the uh, ransomware attack on Colonial Pipeline. Uh, I think it's particularly important to start uh, putting a little bit more focus on the issue of cybersecurity in the maritime domain. So I thank the United States Coast Guard for coming to the Washington State Maritime Cooperative Seminar, and thank you for taking the time to give this important issue a little bit of thought. This episode of the Tactics Meeting is brought to you by Easy213. Easily manage resource requests and approvals during an incident or exercise. The Easy213 application is available for web browsers, iPad OS, iOS, and it's available on the desktop. Manage multiple incidents, unlimited resource requests, digital signature capture, alerts when a new order has been placed. I've used it for three exercises and people love it. For more information, go to portagebay.com backslash easy213. And we thank them and Portage Bay for their support of the tactics meeting. Now let's get to this amazing episode. Puget Sound, Captain of the Port. I am not Coast Guard headquarters. I do not or have the ability to speak on policy because I don't represent them. Um, but I, I am here to present on basic cybersecurity in general terms as we look at the maritime transportation system. Um, so I can provide uh, advice and guidance and assistance, but I can't do policy. So um, if there are any questions as it pertains to vessel um, inspections or things like that, I brought along with me um, Ensign Sean Connolly. Um, he's one of our marine inspectors for the captain of the port. Because I'm not a marine specialist, I'm cybersecurity, and I was brought in for the cybersecurity field of marine, so there's a lot of things I don't know and I don't have the experience with, but Sean's here. If you do have any uh, vessel-related questions, he can he can jump in and help me out with that. So um, this is the cover of the newest cyber strategic outlook that the Coast Guard has uh promulgated. It, it was published. If you look on the bottom there, I got my little laser pointer to point out specifics on my slide. Uh, this was released in August of 2021. Um, it was originally released in 2016, was updated again in 2018 uh, with the uh, foundation of the omnibus bill that was passed that required cybersecurity to be included in all aspects of critical infrastructure security. 
And the way it works um, with critical infrastructure, um, uh, there were designated pillars that were established, you know, energy, uh, education, finance, um, and transportation was one of them. So it fell under the TSA as the lead agency for the transportation critical infrastructure um, to implement cybersecurity. Um, so they've, they've taken the lead on a lot of that. But with the Coast Guard being the foundational organization for maritime, TSA passed the maritime portion onto us in the Coast Guard, and they established jobs like mine at every captain of the port um, uh, zone across the country. So I just happen to represent the Puget Sound captain of the port. Uh, really, the Coast Guard is divided up into two categories when it comes to maritime cybersecurity. Uh, the first being facilities, and the second being vessels. Uh, whether or not it was because of uh, simplicity or because there was already infrastructure in place for the physical security side of things um, with the 105 and MITSA regulation on facilities, the Coast Guard decided to prioritize facilities for the cybersecurity maturity and processes. So in 2020, the Coast Guard released NAVIC 0120, which is the guidelines for addressing cyber risk for MITSA regulated facilities. And we've been working on this process um, over the last couple of years uh, to build out the way facilities will be incorporating cybersecurity into their general security plans. That's been most of my uh, uh, my work for the for the last year that I've been on the job. Um, it breaks down the 105 and the 106 portions of the CFR to really explain sort of what caveats facilities need to address when it comes to cybersecurity. And the emphasis for vessels, if you're an owner operator of a vessel, really what I wanted to point out here was this timeline. With the release of the 2018 cyber uh, strategy, uh, uh, they said that facilities needed to include cybersecurity. You see two years later with the NAVIC was released in, in 2020 saying this is how that you will do it. And we gave facilities until this last October, October 1st, 2022, to implement that as part of their plans. So uh, with, with that said, Really what we wanted to do, we wanted to focus those facilities efforts on looking at and assessing cyber risks within their uh, their their footprint, the 105 footprint. And in the process, really anytime a regulatory agency asks an organization to look at their cybersecurity just as a consequence to that look, they're going to uh, identify uh, risks and vulnerabilities that, that they operate on for their systems and their networks that could be detrimental to their operations. So we look at that as a positive consequence of just being able to go through these facilities and say, hey, what are you doing for cybersecurity? So, so far, CG5P, which is the prevention department at Coast Guard headquarters, they established facility first as their goal. So we know that vessel security is coming. Uh, we don't know exactly when, but it is coming. And I'm in meetings right now, probably on a weekly basis, with this organization called CGCVC, which is the Commercial Vessel Compliance. They're sort of the, the brother or sister to the facilities branch. And they're in the process right now of building out standards and regulations and policies that, that will affect how vessels need to include cybersecurity as part of their vessel security plans. And really the only policy so far that CVC has come out with is a work instruction called 027 uh, version two, which was, which was released in uh, February of 21. And it was a work instruction that was for the Marine inspectors and the uh, port state control officers when they go on board 
vessels and they look at how vessels are are implementing or working with cybersecurity on board. Uh, but as of yet, that that instruction being just for marine inspector, inspectors hasn't been released out to the general public. So we're still waiting on CVC to, to let us know what efforts they want to look at, what regulatory policy they want to go with, um, just the policy and procedures for implementing cyber aboard vessel um, security plans. So generally, my recommendations would be to all organizations, whether vessel, whether shoreside, is to start considering basic cybersecurity now, especially it pertains to cyber hygiene, just general cyber hygiene. Because no matter what the Coast Guard goes with for their vessel cybersecurity, anything you do for general cyber hygiene is going to be included as part of that regulatory process. So vessel owner and operators should be looking at right now doing risk assessments on board their ship systems. That would be their, their operational technology. If they're using anything for pumping, moving products, uh, uh, oil, petroleum, uh, OT also is sort of a caveat under uh, navigation systems. Um, any kind of, of safety that's involved on these vessels should be included as that part of that risk assessment. And then once an assessment is properly done, which we can go through later in a couple of slides, uh, document what you've done, what you've found, what are the risks and what are the mitigation strategies that you're doing, because that will be the big part of that uh, uh, change that the Coast Guard is going to be implementing into the near future. So right now there are really four primary vessel cyber standards. So I wanted to point them out. And I, I believe these slides are going to be made available to everybody. So if you if you want it, you don't have to write them down. Um, the first being the uh, Maritime Safety Committee Circular Number Three, which is the guidelines for cyber risk management. Um, the International Electrotechnical Commission 62443 series is available. You can Google it. It's it's a free uh, publication, and basically it goes through a cyber security within vessels. Uh, here in the United States, uh, we have primarily invested in the NIST, which is the National Institute of Standards and Technology. The NIST has developed a framework for improving critical infrastructure, and it's a super simple process, and it's made available to everybody. It can be used by any size organization. Um, it's really just like a, a recipe book for performing an assessment, a proper assessment on any size of network. And we'll go through some slides later that, that will really show just how easy it will be for any kind of organization to do a, a relatively good cyber assessment on, on itself. And then the fourth one is the um, ISO, the International Organization Standardization. Uh, they released 27035 which is primarily for uh, managing an incident once it happens. So it's a great resource um, for facilities and for organizations to build out their process, organic process, for what to do in case a cyber event happens. So as we look at the three major spheres for what the way an organization can work on its countermeasures to uh, cybersecurity, it really falls under these three bubbles, these three areas. And we're talking people, process, and technology. So I get often asked by organizations, say, hey, if we're going to be spending money, we're going to be spending time, what's the biggest bang for our buck? And that really is people. So if an organization were to focus on people, that could help with probably 85 to 90% of the cyber incidents that, that, that most organizations face. And that is because hackers are very good at getting to know people. 
They get to know people through email, through social media, they get information about you, and then they can direct a, a phishing attack or they can address um, uh, 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 specific lines of codes that go into network systems that people trust, that they click on, that they follow through with or they forward. Um, and, and so by addressing cybersecurity with your people to train whether it's the onboard or shoreside personnel, training your ITs, the people that are responsible for your systems, uh, the engineers who go in and write the code. Um, th these people have heightened levels of responsibility within a network. Um, those are the ones that the hackers, that the bad guys are really looking to get with phishing attempts. Um, so by training your people on how to recognize phishing attempts or how to recognize malicious code, how to, how to look at whether or not a, a website is trusting or not, um, you can really help yourself by focusing on people and getting that training up. And then the second part would be your internal processes. That'll be uh, implementing some kind of cyber management system, um, updating how your business operates to reflect cyber uh, 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 best practices from industry level and implementing some kind of management system that your organization can follow. And then the third one would be probably the most expensive that people are sort of uh, have a hard time budgeting into, and that's the technology. Um, really, most organizations don't have to buy new technology. However, uh, by working with their ITs and their cyber um, uh, people, you can focus on segregating networks and defending the networks in a way that, that uh, uh, doesn't cost a lot of money, but can really protect yourself. So we're looking at organizations securing their systems and installing even uh, active systems like a SIEM system or an AI database system that can recognize uh, inconsistencies with the data that's passing through your networks um, so that you can react to it before it gets, uh, too, it goes too far. So as we talk about vessels in particular, what well, we're talking about the difference between IT and OT systems. With IT, our main risk we're looking at Finance and reputation. IT is data. IT is your is your email systems. It's uh, uh, the the networks that information is passed on. Uh, data storage, your personal files. That's that's IT, right? So if IT gets compromised, it's usually time. It's usually money. Is that big risk? But OT is really what should be keeping us all up at night when it comes to vessels, and that is those logic controllers, the SCADA systems, our NAV systems, our ECTIS, our GPS that can be spoofed. Things that are at risk here are life, property, and the environment. So those are the big things that, that we want to emphasize, at least from the Coast Guard perspective. When we go on board vessels and we do inspections, we want to look and see how is that OT being protected. So within the maritime terminology, these are often things that get confused. And so this was a slide that I picked up from an organization out of the Netherlands that I just recently took a class through. Um, and really breaking down the, the process or the thought of Information is the big bubble system with IT covering almost everything and OT being specific. And then the IACS, the Industrial Automation and Control Systems, those are those pieces that are vital to the safety and security. Um, talking about navigation systems, steering, propulsion, that's all IACS. So when we go, the Coast Guard goes on board a vessel, we want to look at what that IACS is and how well it's protected. So that's what we're really going to be focusing our attention on when we come on board. Cybersecurity is, is tough for any organization, and in particular within the maritime domain, we're looking at these big uh, factors that make it difficult to implement or, or really get our, our, our efforts wrapped around encompassing cyber within the maritime domain. 
And that is, it's always a high consequence for people, environment, reputation if a cyber event takes place. Uh, vital services that aren't secured can easily be spoofed. Things like your navigation system and your AIS system. Um, there's always a high number of AICS systems uh, uh, in, in all boats and including boats internationally and domestic where they're all different and they're all unique. Therefore, it's hard to say from a regulatory authority to come in and say like, this is how you should do it because it may be different from one system to another system. So I would speculate that a lot of the Coast Guard regulatory process will fall more on, generally speaking, hey, hey, are you looking at your navigation system? Are you looking at your OT network? Rather than saying, in your OT network, you should be doing X, Y, and Z. So again, writing what's on the wall, what, what my expectation is, is really more of a, in general terms, the Coast Guard is gonna be looking at process rather than sp specifics. Um, here's an example of the IEC series. Again, you can download it. You can pull it up. It's free. Google has it available. The NIST framework is that big core of what the United States uses mostly when we come to uh, talking about cybersecurity assessments. And I can show you uh, sort of pretty pretty quickly that the NIST is not something that you should be afraid of or something that you should uh, uh, consider uh, a difficult to implement because it, they, they break it down into simple blocks. And that is they have five parts, what they call function unique identifiers that are all color coded. Um, basically, if you think about it logically, when it comes to any kind of cyber defense, you want to at least identify what you have in your network. You want to know how you can protect what's in your network. You want to detect if there's anything abnormal, if there's something odd about your network. If you do detect it, how are you going to respond to it? And then finally, how are you going to recover in case an incident happens? And this process of the NIST will walk an organization through each of those steps. The first step we saw in that in that column sheet, uh, ID for identify. That's that first step of using the NIST. And under each functional unique identifier, there are subcategories. So when we talk about like the NIST, for example, we want to identify we want to know what assets we have. We want to know if there's any business environment components that we, we have to consider. Uh, what is the governance? Uh, what is risk management? So you can go through the NIST step by step. So I have a slide here that's that's particular. Here's, here's all of them put together. But here's an example of this recipe book that I was talking about when using the NIST. So any organization can pull up the NIST, go to the appendix and pull up this, this uh, uh, spreadsheet. And on it, it walks a, an IT or a cybersecurity professional through assessing an organization's uh, uh, information systems and OT systems. And the first step, it says, under um, asset management for identify, physical devices and systems within the organization are inventoried. So any company security officer, vessel security officer, facility security officer can go to their IT and say, hey, can you please show me where our physical devices are inventoried? Where's a list of all the stuff that should be on our network? Every IT should have it. I worked in IT for 20 years. I know as an IT, any given moment, what was on the networks that, that, that I was responsible for, right? Next step, once they give you that list, the inventory, okay, so the next step is what software are we supposed to have, right? The ITs know what software they support, they can give you a list. These are everything that's allowed on our network, at least it should be, right? Um, and if a piece of software pops up on a network scan, they know, hey, that doesn't belong there. There's something wrong. There's something to investigate. There's something to look at. And we can go through each of these steps of the NIST. And at the end, you'll have a pretty robust look at what 
cyber stance you hold on your organization. And from there, you can make changes, you can implement different policies, and you can work through it so that you can defend yourself to the best of your ability. Here's an example. I pulled this up. It's an old scan, so there's nothing sensitive about it. Uh, uh, at any given time, my company security officer, my CIO can come to me and say, hey, what's on our network? And I can tell you, based on the scan that I performed, I had 103 Optiplex 5040 machines on my on my network at any given time, where they're supposed to be. Right? I can tell you, my De uh, Dell PowerEdge 2900s, I didn't have any, but I did have one 2950. Right? So here's an example of that inventory that's part of that step one of the NIST um, uh, 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 total assessment. Step three was, do you have a data flow map? Here's an example of a data flow map. Super important. As an IT, I should know that this computer that controls records is connected to this switch that goes through this router and can feed other parts of my network, right? If I get a virus on this custom computer, I can turn off this switch and I can prevent this data center from infecting this data center. So it's important to actively control that and actively know what's in your network and therefore, for your cyber perspective, the security officer or the people that are responsible for security at your company um, uh, know that, that the ITs have it covered and they know that their uh, facility or their vessel um, at, at least has some level of cyber protection. Like I said, the ISO 27035 is, is really, really important because it walks an organization through incident response. And incident response should be part of any cybersecurity plan. Because the fact of the matter is no network has no vulnerabilities, right? Everybody is vulnerable to something, whether it's it's a single end user on one computer, there's still a vulnerability on it, whether it's software, whether the, uh, and the end user clicks on a phishing email, something. So every organization should have a response plan to help them out and walk them through exactly what they're going to do in case of a cyber incident. So the work instruction uh, was primarily written for the marine inspectors and the port state control officers who have to go on board vessels and look at various aspects of, of uh, security and safety on board the boats. So they wrote this in particular for, for cybersecurity to basically help those marine inspectors when they go on board, what they're looking for, and, and what kind of steps to take in case they find something. An example would be marine inspector goes on the boat, on, on a boat, they can look for, you know, are username and passwords openly displayed? Are they like written on a sheet next to the computer? Uh, are computer systems on board all using the same login and password information or no login and password information? Do they do they log out after inactivity, right? Do, do, they, do they lock themselves to prevent somebody from walking out of a room and somebody else coming in and using their account to, to do something bad? These are just basic cyber hygiene things that the marine inspectors can look for when they're on board the boat and doing their inspections. So the work instruction actually goes through a scenario as an example of what a port state control officer might find on board a boat, right? They're saying, you know, the, the, the inspector goes on and talks to the second officer of the ship and the second officer says the ECTUS isn't operational. So it goes through those steps to say, well, as the port state control officer, what should I be looking at if the ECTUS isn't working? Um, and again, for for time's sake, I won't go through this in particular. This is a presentation that was primarily for my marine inspectors to walk them through. But again, if you want to take the time to, to read through, the, you're more than happy. I can give you this presentation, or I'm sure it's made available to you. Um, my last slide really is uh, what happens now, 
right? What, what happens if a boat in particular is subject to a, a cyber incident? A hacker gets in, locks down, you know, a navigation system or, or compromises the OT on board the, the boat and it's pumping, you know, oil overboard. Well, what do we do? Well, uh, all the captain of the port zones have the authority to uh, call in a specialized, highly trained team of cyber experts that are housed at headquarters. Well, there's two teams housed at headquarters, and now we just opened one this summer down in Alameda to support the West Coast that we call the CPT. And this is our cyber protection team. And they're available 24 hours, seven days a week. As soon as we get notified that a facility or a vessel or pretty much anybody who operates within the maritime domain is 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 going through some kind of cyber attack and they need help, they don't know what to do, they don't know how to how to how to help themselves, the CPT can be there within hours. And they'll come on board and they'll work with that security officer and the ITs or or cyber teams that are organic within that organization and help them get back on their feet, get back to operational, and then help to assess how that event took place, how the hackers got in, and then help them to uh, to harden their defenses and and you know protect themselves so that it doesn't happen again. Um, so um, in a nutshell, I, I, I wanted to come in and just give a general brief on what's going on with the vessels and, and how we're looking into the future. But, but we really don't know what the Coast Guard is going to be doing for specific policy for the regulations that we're going to be using. So right now, as we look at what writing is on the wall, we know that cybersecurity is coming. It's really all about getting organizations to just talk, to look at, to do those internal assessments for themselves to look at where they stand and how they're doing. So, I mean, if you have any questions, feel free, come talk to me. Um, I think that's my time, <laughs> but but yeah. So, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm here. So you can shoot me an email or give me a call. I'm available. Have, have there been any examples of successful um, hacking of vessels? Well, we, we have seen it with, with uh, a Maersk um, shipping company. Um, they had a vessel that, that uh, was hacked. It's public knowledge. You know, there's nothing secret about it. Um, uh, their system was actually uh, hacked through the use of uh, USB drives that somebody had brought on board, locked down the operational system of the boat, and then that spread to their shoreside facilities. Um, basically, the virus just spread everywhere and it shut them down. It was it was a ransomware event. The hackers were looking for money from Maersk, a lot of money. Um, and Maersk, at the time, didn't have an incident response plan set up for for an event like that and it turned out that they didn't have backups available for their system so they were shut down for days and it turned out they had one server that was offline that had a full backup like in africa and so they had to send a group of techs on a plane to go down and pick up the server and bring it back to the netherlands and load it and re reconstitute their whole organization just by the luck of having that one server that was offline and wasn't subject to that so so that did happen and that was millions of dollars lost by the organization because their whole operation was shut down. Now here in the Were United States- they specifically States, the target of the I, I can't remember with that sp particular incident if they were the exact target or if they were a bleed over from another because there was several events that are sort of running through my mind right now. But here in the United States, we have yet to experience a full-fledged attack on, on, on a boat um, that I'm aware of, at least at my level here, captain of the port for Puget Sound, we haven't experienced it. We've had a couple of uh, facility shoreside organizations that have been hit with, with different things, but so far the boats haven't been subject to that yet. 